Hey, it is Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap, February 24th, 2023 edition. I'm Ryan Janke, and I've got Corey Litton right here with me. Yes, I made it again. You did, even though it is brutally cold outside. Like negative 15, according it's to my computer. Terrible. Well, it was like negative 24, 24 below. Yeah, the old vehicle didn't want to start this morning to, to uh, head on over here, So, and neither did I. Yeah, <laughs> I can't blame either one of you. <laughs> <laughs> it was nasty. So uh, we got a fun show coming up today. We've got some ice racing results. We've got some locals racing nationally, which is uh, going to be, it's always fun, but it's going to be really fun this this week. Uh, we've got our shots watch. You've got a spoiler alert for us. And of course, Daytona, Daytona 500. That's right. It's, our- it's the... It's the real most wonderful time of the year. It when is. racing season starts up, NASCAR's <laughs> racing for real. Uh, you could call it that. Um, yep. Some people don't like to call it that racing right now, but um, <laughs> so what? There's yeah. still a green flag. Yeah. Um, and then you're supposed to go fast. Yep. And then um, you're supposed to like try to be first. Yep. Something um, like that. Turn left. Uh, t- uh, you go fast until they tell you to not go fast anymore. <laughs> Because of things, and then they throw this checkered flag at you at the at the end of it, yep. And it's supposed to be done, and whoever gets their first wins, and that's that's racing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't know how they can't they can call it not racing. <laughs> well, it checks every box. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It does. So, all right. Well, what happened? Uh, what what's going on with ice racing? What they do? Well, I had a good uh, good time out there. We got a lot of listeners up there uh, at the Lake Cameron Ice Races up in Erskine. Uh, so it was really cool to get up there and and talk to a few of our uh, our great listeners from up there. But uh, show number one, the point leader Tim, uh, uh, and I have I've been saying his name wrong. Uh oh, I got to do this. I got to work on this, and I'm, and I hope you don't mind that I'm doing this on the uh, recording here. We're doing this right on the fly. That's how we roll. It's I've been saying his name wrong the entire year. Um. I've been saying it, Tim Kujua. Yeah. That's uh, wrong. It's Kwaava. Kwaava? Kwaava. 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 Okay. Kwaava. Yeah, I think. Uh, I heard their announcer say it, and I I had to message him, and uh, I'm like, Tim, uh, I I have to, I I must be doing this wrong, uh, and I want to get this right, so he he sent me a frenetic spelling of it, so... I'm gonna keep practicing. Kwaava got got the he won the first show over over a Mr. Excitement Logan Bauer and Tyler Scow. Ryan Scow was just about over the line in the lead on the last lap, but it, and uh, with a, with a right front tire going down. But the caution came out when Dylan Hagen got stuck on the front stretch berm, setting up a green white checkered finish because he can't park there. <laughs> um, and it was it was kind of it was really weird because like uh, Ryan Scow's car was bad fast. He was running away with it. Mm-hmm. You know, he has an old Buick Regal that he was racing really? out there. Yeah, one okay. Of the, the old uh, the the metric body ones. Yeah, yeah. And he was just running away with that race. And he ended up, uh, yeah, he ended up having a right front tire go down. Um, and and unfortunately that cost him the win out there because they were just about done. Like he was just coming out of four and that and and uh yeah, Dylan Hagen got stuck in the front stretch berm. Um but again, Tim Quava got that one, got okay. that win. I think I might be getting it right. Yeah. It'll uh, take some practice. You'll if, get there. <laughs> if you're listening, Tim, uh <laughs> please message me how wrong I'm getting it. <laughs> if I'm getting it wrong. Uh, show number two is a different story, though, because Tyler Scout took the win on a last lap pass over Logan Bauer and Tim Quava, uh, finishing in the third spot. That race, um, 
was another one where uh, Ryan Scout put on a pretty good show. Um, he was, it was actually this is in one of the heat races too. So he took the lead from like mid pack on the on the first lap. Okay. Um, and then he spun out on his own, lost a few spots. Actually, I think he ended up uh, going to the back and passed everybody again, only to have his water pump go out. No. So I mean, he passed. He put on a show. Yeah. And had nothing to show oh, for it. That's unfortunately. terrible. Uh, points after week number six, uh, Tim Kawaba has 632 points in the full-size class in car number five. In second, it's the 11V of Jimmy Venom, who has 521 points. In third, it's Doug Hagen in the 14 car with 517 points. In the Baja cars, uh, which I believe will be racing this weekend, I think they are wrapping up their points championship this weekend, too. Um, in first, it's the 92 of Mason Sheelan with 299 points. In second, 87 Hunter Cardinal. Uh, who's also tied with the WD-40 of Max Anderson, 283 points. Again, only two weeks left in the season, and I believe the Baja cars wrap up their championship this weekend in Erskine on Lake Cameron at noon. And they got to get the show in before 3 because they're not far from a church and there's a funeral going on. So. Oh, okay. So they want to get done by 3. So noon to 3. And you know the weather's looking nicer for Saturday too, so that's, that might be a, that that's a fun little place to go to. So check it out if you have the chance. Yeah, that's on the, the 25th, February 25th. Correct. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, what about locals racing nationally? We had well, some. This is fun. I'm yep. excited. <laughs> yeah, we had some. Uh, we had some locals going down to uh, Casa Grande, Arizona, uh, which is a nice little track down there, and they've got some ties with the Wasota and some IMCA stuff down there too. So. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of our our guys, our guys and girls going down there and racing. Uh, Jeremy Thornton won in the modifieds over Chase Alves and Ian Whistler. Uh, uh, Minot Spencer Wilson took fifth also in that one. In this, in the uh, late, uh, that was in the modifieds. Um, in the late models, it was the owner of the I ninety four EMR Speedway in Fergus Falls, Don Shaw, taking the win over Jim Whistler and Steve Steve Stoltz. Uh, Bram, South Dakota's Josh Zimple finished in fifth. East Bethel, Minnesota's Larry Fitzsimmons took 6th, and Bismarck's Paul Mueller finished in 11th. Saturday, Chaz Baca passed 11 cars to win the modified feature, with Don Irvin passing 26 cars to take 2nd. And Chase Alves rounding out the top 3, I think he passed like 4 cars, so it wasn't worth putting in there. Uh, Spencer Wilson finished uh, fourth with uh, De- uh, who he's from Minot, of course. And then Devil's Lakes Jess Brecky came down there, finished in the ninth spot. Don Shaw doubled up by winning in the late models with Josh Zimple finishing in second, Larry Fitzsimmons in third, and Paul Mueller in ninth. All right. And then on to Saturday, February 18th, the ARCA Daytona 200. Yeah, this, was, uh, this was an interesting race because uh, it, it's a typical Daytona. You can go front to back, front to back, front to back, yep. in a wreck, uh, whatever. And West Fargo's own Bryce Haugeberg, who we had on last week, he fought hard and finished in sixteenth spot. So good run out there for that kid. At one point, I think he was up to seventh, okay. either seventh or ninth, uh, in that ARCA 200 at Daytona a race that was won by Greg Van Alst. And if you had the chance, I know he's he, his victory lane interview is going out, going is is viral. <laughs> he was pumped and he he loved it. And uh, good for him, a guy that uh, was trying to race in ARCA um, and maybe try to climb the ladder even more to get higher up and ended up having to uh, drop back down and, and kind of give that up for a few years. And raced a lot of the, he raced, you know, his local area circuits and stuff like that. And then 
came back up and and got the win. And it was on a last lap pass, and it was a it was a really good one. Uh, Winnipeg's Amber Balkin scored a career best sixth uh, place, um, and then Frankie Muniz. Frankie, that's right. The Frankie Muniz finished in eleventh, which was not in the middle of <laughs> the finishing order. He uh, he got up front. He, he led a couple laps, I believe, too. Uh, he he was he was in the mix. Yeah, and it, that, that was kind of cool. You know, the former uh, kid from a soapbox racing yeah. uh, video a movie, and um, and I I think I, I can't remember if I've said this already. But his character was uh, on Malcolm in the Middle was named after a race car driver, according to Hal. Oh, okay. There was an episode where they were, you know, the guy's name was Rusty Malcolm. Uh-huh. So all of them go to like a race or something like that. Hal takes the kids to the race, race and uh, it was supposed to be a Rusty Malcolm's last race. And then Dewey, I guess, starts walking on the track and there's a big <laughs> wreck and that takes out Rusty, on, which could have been his last race and his last win. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I'm I'm excited for for Frankie. I, I'm also excited for Bryce. And if you haven't had the chance, uh, uh, great guy. We um, interviewed him last week. That'd be the uh, February 16th, I believe, uh, episode of Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. Go back and check that out. Uh, it it was fun, and I'm excited. Uh, that he had a, a a strong finish, I would I would say. Yeah, he said he's going to be running eleven ARCA races this year mm-hmm. that they have on the schedule as of now. Um, so we're going to keep an eye on him throughout the season and just keep checking in on how he do- he does because, like you said, good kid. Did, gave us a good interview last week, and uh, we're pulling for him. Yeah, absolutely. So our shots watch. He was out uh, turning laps. Uh, yes, he was running with the World of Outlaws Late Models. That was Thursday, February 16th through Saturday, February 18th. World of Outlaws uh, uh, race uh, Volusia, Volusia Speedway Park in Barberville, Daily on Springs, Florida. I got that one wrong on the on the notes here. But uh, Thursday, uh, the competition heated up as in Volusia as World of Outlaws Late Models kicked off their portion of the Dirt Car Nationals. Smooth operator Bobby Pierce took the advantage of a slip-up by big, sexy Brandon Overton in traffic with two laps to go to win night number one. Tim McCready rounded out the top three. Uh, Donnie Shots made some passes in the last chance showdown but missed the show by one spot. Friday, there ain't one. That's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Big jerk. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, that's actually on my notes. (laughs) Uh, Saturday, Hudson O'Neill put on an, an absolute show by passing 22 cars to win the Big Gator on Saturday night over Devin Moran, who passed six cars. Ricky Thornton Jr. got third, and he passed 17 cars. The Headingly, Manitoba uh, native, now uh, down in Tennessee. Donnie Schatz did not make the A-Main on Saturday night. Late models, again, the the competition especially at this event was just absolutely incredible. It, it, it's the best of late model racing in the country. And that's what you get when you have so many different series now that are putting up a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You get some drivers who got some got some financial backing now. Yep. And it's just the talent level in, in the World of Outlaw Late Models for that event was just incredible. That's great. Uh, the World of Outlaw Late Model points. Chris Madden, Chris Smokey Madden has 840 points in the lead. Brian Shirley, 200 and, uh, or 826 points in second. Uh, Kyle Bronson, 820 points in third. Brendan Shepard has 818 points in fourth. And in fifth, Max Blair, 816 points. The World of Outlaw Sprint Car points. David Gravel is undefeated on the season right now, so he has 300 points in the lead. Uh, Buddy Kofoid, 
292 points in second. In third, Logan Schuhart, 284 points. In fourth, Sheldon Hoddenshield with uh, 274 points. And in fifth, Carson Macedo has 266 points. What's next? Well, for the late models, that'll be Friday, March 3rd through Saturday, March 4th. Smoky Mountain Speedway, Maryville, Tennessee. And the sprint cars will be Sunday, March 5th through Monday, March 6th at Volusia Speedway Park in De Leon Springs, Florida. So Volusia Speedway still gonna be uh, gonna be running running wild out there in Florida. They got cars running around. All right, so now a spoiler, a spoiler <laughs> alert. Now I did wa- I did not watch this uh, this movie, but uh, we've been messaging back and forth, and you've built this up quite a bit. So yeah. I'm excited to hear about this. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those. It, we're uh, watching the 2009 uh, action auto racing movie. Phantom Racer, which you can catch on Peacock Network. I think there. I think the whole thing's on YouTube, also. Uh, oh, is it really? Yeah, I, I was checking up for certain things because I'm sending, you know, clips from the movie to you. Yeah. And, and uh, 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 the director was Terry Ingram. Uh, and to to preface this, I'm going to wing this after writing up a 2,500 <laughs> word <laughs> report on how. I don't know if that's good or bad. I, you know, I was inspired. What can I say? <laughs> There were more more notes on that movie than there are in this whole entire thing here. <laughs> but I'm going to wing it. Uh, Adam Batrick plays Cutter. Greg Evigan plays J.J. Sawyer. Nicole Eggert plays Tammy, if you remember her, from Charles in Charge. Yep, I do. And, uh, and Baywatch, and of Baywatch, course. And Baywatch, yep. Uh, Chad Willett plays Cliff. Uh, Winston Rickert plays Sheriff Tom Hodges. Uh, and uh, Bri- uh, Brina O'Brien plays Jesse. The tag for this is... A race car driver returns from the grave to seek vengeance on his enemies. This sounds just incredible. In a world. I've always <laughs> wanted to do that. Uh, yeah, that's where my notes on this one ends, uh, <laughs> at least on the script I sent you here. But um, this movie's terrible, but in a fun way. <laughs> it, it is so awful. It's one of those cheesy horror movies. Um, it's a car that basically what happens is Cutter and, and J.J. Sawyer um, are rivals on the on a local circuit that seems to only race in the rain, by the oh. way. Um, every time that there were cars driving anywhere, it was raining okay, or or trucks or anything like that. Um, so I don't know exactly where it takes place. Probably a cemetery. Um, oddly, not a cemetery in the movie. Okay. Um, after watching this twice. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad you watched it twice. I was literally stopping it every minute to type <laughs> what was happening. In, in, <laughs> <like the> So, <laughs> yeah, um, J.J. Sawyer is, you know, like the hot shoe, and Cutter is just as good, but a little cocky, a little, it, it, he's got a little dark side to him, and um, they get into an accident, and the car that has has the most spectacular part of this accident, which looks like some of the worst video game graphics I've ever seen, <laughs> by the way. Um, he, the, J.J. Sawyer's car starts rolling over and lands on its on its roof and stays there. And he, he somehow lives through this. Both cars start on fire. And ba- the other car just basically kind of gets pushed into the wall a little bit. Well, apparently, Cutter's car can't get... Can, he can't get out of his car, so he burns alive. Um, Ooh. Tammy is uh, somebody that basically just keeps killing people off. I think that this is the she's the real real killer in this one, and I think she's just imagining that it was a car that was killing everybody. Hmm. Um, okay. The, the Nicole, Nicole Eggert character. Nicole, what are you doing? 
Um, somehow, I mean, this is more than a love triangle at one point because there are four people involved. So love square. Okay. <laughs> um, love square. She was the girlfriend <laughs> of Cutter. Okay. Who dies in the first accident. And Cliff is the crew chief of Cutter, uh, who you find out later in the movie, and it really doesn't matter, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> this this part, this plot part does not matter. Okay. But Cliff and Cutter actually sabotaged J.J. Sawyer's car to make the accident happen, and Cutter dies in that accident. So to be honest with you, why is he coming back as somebody who's haunting? Um, he's the jerk that did it right away. Sure. Sure. If anything, he got what was coming to him. Okay. <laughs> but so Tammy just settles for Cliff because J.J. Sawyer is so haunted by the accident. Well, well nice choice of words on that one. But he's so <laughs> haunted by the accident that he just kind of moves away, but still stays in racing as a truck driver okay. for another team. And um, then we find out later. So Jesse is a kid that is in there. That's the daughter of Tammy. And... <laughs> Um, she's grown up her whole life thinking that Cutter was her actual dad. Well, it turns out that J.J. Sawyer was actually her dad before this. What the world is going yeah, on so here? this is where this turns into a square, a okay. love square. Um, and uh, Greg Evigan, who plays J.J. Sawyer, was known as the guy that uh, played opposite of Paul Reiser in My Two Dads. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there is a point... Um, because, well, Cliff ends up getting killed by this car that he re- restores. I haven't even got to that part yet. Um, he restores the car that Cutter was racing. Okay. And um, somehow J.J. Uh, Sawyer gets stranded in that town when he's hauling another race car to a different racetrack. And um, he, <laughs> he ends up uh, you know, catching back up with Cliff. And then Cliff decides, who sucks at drinking, by the way. Okay. Everybody in this movie that drinks sucks at drinking. Sure. They, they, get, they cannot control themselves at all. So Cliff, who says, who says, before I work on your truck, I'll have a couple, and i got to show you something. <laughs> and then he goes, they take, takes him out back and shows him, oh, here's the car that you know, Cutter died in. It's now completely restored. So is this car Christine, then? Is That's it? what I was going to get to that. There's part of that. They actually do <laughs> okay. rip off later on in the movie. The car starts on fire. like It gets set on fire. Okay. And, yeah, there's all kinds of different movie, uh, horror movie cliches. Okay. <laughs> uh, in this, they like, oh, it's hiding in the woods right now. Oh, it's it's <laughs> it's Jason Voorhees. Oh, sure. sure. Oh, it just jumped into the wall. It just <laughs> JJ gets out of the way uh, and causes the car to jump into a lake at one point, and all of a sudden the car comes back out. Now we got Jaws. Okay. <laughs> was there uh, uh, was there anything uh, Nightmare on Elm Street related? Oh, pretty much. Uh, it was. I mean, the there were there were scenes where people were dreaming, and, and then they they didn't get killed in the dreams, but it, it was a lot of nightmares based off of the the accident that happened early on. Um, then yeah, there's a part a part where obviously it's Michael Myers because it just won't die and it just keeps coming <laughs> back. Um, Sounds fascinating. <laughs> it's. I the reason lo- that none of us have ever heard of it before. This movie stinks. It does, but it is so funny because of how <laughs> bad it is. It hits every horror movie cliche. Um, <laughs> but uh, J.J. Sawyer might be the most uh, 
uh, evasive person to ever <laughs> be in a movie uh, since, or, or in anything, any kind of anything since Bo Jackson in uh, Tecmo Super Bowl. He was just that good at <laughs> evading this car. Uh, when, at one time, it knocks over one gas pump when after coming at him at full speed. <laughs> this is where they light out, laid sure. out a fire, and it turns into Christine. Okay. But okay. again, it's raining almost throughout the whole movie, so what's what good's that going to do? Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah. Well, this, yeah. I'll, I'll, I, uh, I regret not watching it now. <laughs> I'm not even ruining this movie for you because you're going to go back and watch this thing and just laugh. <laughs> if you're, if you're into really bad movies, like sure. I'm not, I don't even know what flag to give this thing because at points it's like, oh, that's a red flag there. Oh, no. That's, well, definitely caution. <laughs> but I definitely say go watch it. It is okay. awful. <laughs> so a caution flag, maybe. Yeah, a little bit, but I mean, it almost needs its own designation. Because <laughs> I've been giving a lot of yellows out for some of this stuff, okay. but but yeah, it's maybe uh, 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 give it a green white checker. That's sure, what I'll give it. Green um, white, yeah. There you go. There you <laughs> go. It does have moments where it's great, like especially since okay, so Cliff gets killed. He's one of the first uh, people. He, he, one of the best lines in there. Uh, it, <laughs> Was uh, Jesse's yelling? You know, she's the trouble, typical troubled kid yep. in a, in a movie like this, and she turns to JJ uh, Sawyer, and uh, this might be an indictment of this guy's career, by the way, too. She looks at him and says, "You killed my two dads," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, at this point, wow. at this point in the movie, I'm like, he does kind of look like the guy from My Two Dads. So I went and looked it up. It is the it guy is from the guy. My Two Dads. Um, I gotta watch this now. <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to get around it. I have to. <laughs> and I'll find it somewhere where I can yeah. where I can watch it. It's it's incredibly bad. Okay. Um, well, good. And I love. I I'm a big fan of movies like The Room. You know, which is something that it's so bad it's funny. Uh huh. And this is this ranks. It's not up there with that. It's not on that level. Okay. Uh, but it is. It is bad. It's so bad it's funny. It is a B. Like, a- even when people die in there, it's like. There, there are points where there's oh, oh, <laughs> where the car just comes out of nowhere and just smokes somebody. It's a B a B movie of yeah. bad movies. Yes. Okay. It is it is fantastically <laughs> bad, and I love it. Excellent. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's great. Good. Okay. Well, there you have it. There's your spoiler. Go out and uh, uh, watch it. It's on it, Peacock. It's on Peacock. And I think, like I said, it might be on YouTube. Fan- if you. I'm gonna check. I'm gonna check the YouTubes and find out. Because if it's there, I'm gonna watch it. Phantom Racer. I'm gonna look for the DVD copy of that so I have it. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of them that I'm adding to my collection. So again, I don't know what flag system we're gonna give it. I think the flag system is actually kind of flawed a little bit. <laughs> well, well, we're, it's a work in progress. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. All right. There it is. Spoilers. Go ahead, go ahead and watch it. Phantom Racer. So it was kind of a big weekend. That's right for racing. Uh, we had the Daytona 500, but before we could get to the race, we had to have the duels. That's right. Thursday, February 16th, the Daytona duels. Duel number one. Start off with Ryan Blaney, who led early, and he while he battled side-by-side side with Ross Chastain. During uh, pit stops, Joey Logano took advantage of a good stop to take the lead from his teammate, because that's what he does is take advantage of his teammate, Ryan Blaney. <laughs> At the halfway point of the 60-lap uh, race, Fords were strong the rest of the way and at one point occupied five of the top six positions, including the top four spots. Uh, Logano held on for the win with uh, Christopher Bell making his way up to second. Blaney finished in third, Chris Busher in fourth, Michael McDowell in fifth. 
Your uh, your guy tra- uh, Ross Chastain, uh, he finished in eleventh, and uh, Zane Smith finished just good enough to make his way into the uh, five hundred. He had to race his way in, so yeah, he he made it in. And uh, duel number two, well, duel number one went incident free for the sixty laps. Duel number two had a bit more action. Before the race even started, open driver Connor Daly was experiencing suspension problems causing him to pit. That thing was just hopping. I mean, I, I've seen lowrider conventions that don't bounce like that. Um, <laughs> uh, this is one day after electrical problems stopped him from even being able to run a qualifying lap. So I, this, <laughs> the fact that he even got the car running was great. Uh, the, the, his crew got, got it going out there. That's the one, I think, the money team. That's uh, the one with Floyd Mayweather. Uh, owns his team. Uh, Kyle Larson and Eric Almarola battled it out for the first several laps until the caution came out for the side window blowing out of Justin Haley's car on lap number six, and that caused the the field to pit early. This caused okay. some drama because they weren't within their pit window at this point mm, okay. um, for the for the rest of the race. Kyle Busch took command with uh, Daniel Suarez, uh, Kyle Larson, and the rest of the field in tow. But trouble stuck, uh, struck on lap or with 20 laps to go as Kyle Busch got turned into the outside wall in the backstretch while Suarez attempted to bump draft him. Busch was taken out, so was Riley Herbst, and Travis Pastrana got in his first Daytona wreck. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Priest, Justin Haley, Austin Hill, they were all also involved. The field pitted again, though, to set up a quick dash to the finish. Kyle Larson took the lead on the restart, but Eric Almarola got quickly by. Uh, the field bunched up side-by-side side with less than 10 to go, and after a couple near wrecks, it was Almarola coming on top with uh, defending champion Austin Sindrick finishing in second, Chase Elliott in third, Brad Keselowski in fourth, Corey LaJoy in fifth, and Connor Daly, even after all his troubles, was able to race his way in. All right. And here, so obviously then, was the 65th running of the Daytona 500. Here is the call of the final lap on NASCAR.com. Now that energy's all broke up now. Now we're going to see the cars coming from behind. Where's he going to go? They're both going to get to him pretty hard, pretty quick. All right, Stenhouse gets the white flag. Three wide. All good. You got the help. Larson tried to go to the middle. Oh, he got turned. Larson Pastrana in the fence. We are still green. No, the caution is out. And we'll wait for official word on whether Ricky Stenhouse or Joey Logano has won the Daytona 500. Come to the checker first, baby. Christopher Bell in the mix. Those three cars out in front of the crash. Slow down. They'll have to cross the line, but one of them will win the Daytona 500. What is Bell doing here? On the track, caution and checker. Chevy, Ford, Stenhouse, Logano. Here is how this will be decided. It is not the flag. It is not the caution lights. It is NASCAR's decision as to where those two cars were when the button was pushed to activate the caution. And Ricky Stenhouse has won the Daytona 500. There it is. And uh, before, uh, before you get going... Okay. Uh, I saw you I saw you chuckle. <laughs> yes, the call was that boring. And, and honestly, uh, you know, listening to it, listening back to it, being in the position before, I'm pretty sure they didn't know what to say. Uh I'm pretty sure the reason why it was so boring is 
they didn't know what that what was going to go or what was going to happen. Yeah. So, well, I mean, even before that though, you've got now you've taken you've taken the white flag, so mm-hmm. you're on the last lap, and you have that crash that's obviously going to cause mayhem here. Oh, he got turned. He got turned around. There it was. Yep. And you don't really hear anything more about that, right? <laughs> So but, I, I, you know, I didn't realize it at the, like, because as I was watching it, I was like, oh, he got turned around, you know, whatever. What, what's this going to, what's going to happen? So I didn't rewatch the end until I recorded this for, for this, this podcast. And it was like, holy cow, that was boring. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. If, if you, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that the uh, radio call on it was a lot more uh, dramatic than that. Um, my guess is they probably had someone in the air saying, Hey, let the pictures do the talking. Uh-huh. Um, so I, that's what I, you know, to play devil's advocate on this one. Sure. Um, yeah, I would say that that's probably the whole thing, but it, it never really picked up after that. No, no, it didn't. Um, and yeah. And, and there's obviously some controversy, but uh, I'll let you, why don't you get us caught up to that point? I'm sorry. Well, the racing started off conservatively with not a lot of passing and no cautions till the end of stage number one. The stage's only incident happened on lap 52, and Bubba Wallace got a piece of the backstretch wall. Uh, the Roush, but that didn't never brought out the caution. The Roush, uh, Roush Fenway Keselowski Fords of Brad Keselowski and Chris Busher were strong together all day long, and they were hooked to each other. They were uh, pretty much held together by magnets uh, throughout the most uh, most of the race. That resulted in Keselowski winning stage number one. Stage number two was more of the same, but the race's first crash happened halfway uh, past halfway in lap 119 when Kevin Harvick, Tyler Reddick, Ryan, and Ryan Blaney got together collecting Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., Eric Jones, and Daniel Suarez. Ross Chastain was able to survive, and he won the stage. Uh, Blaney continued on but blew out a right front tire, bringing out the caution flag with 61 laps to go in stage number three. And at this point, teammates seem to be doing really well together. Uh, Keselowski and Busher continued their front running along with the new teammates at Richard Childress Racing, Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon. Busch got to the lead. Caution came out with two to go, and Daniel Suarez spun off a turn number four, setting up an overtime finish. On the restart, the race's, race's biggest crash happened when, uh, Ch- with Chastain, Austin Sindrick, Dylan Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Riley Herbst, William Byron, Zane Smith, Todd Gilliland, Noah Gregson, and Jimmy Johnson, they were all involved. Uh, since the leader had not taken the white flag, that meant that there would be another attempt at overtime. This time the white flag uh, was taken, and another crash happened, bringing out the caution flag involving Kyle Larson, Keselowski, Bush, Eric Almarola, Hamlin, Blaney, A.J. Allmendinger, Bubba Wallace, Alex Bowman, and Travis Pastrana, his second Daytona rack in this in his first year uh, after the white flag uh, and it was after the white so the next flag ends the race and uh, that means caution flag or checkers um, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was leading Joey Logano and Christopher Bell uh, Stenhouse was declared the winner with Logano finishing in second and Bell finishing in third uh, Stenhouse broke a 199 race winless streak the fourth largest drought in NASCAR history to be ended in a, in a win. Ryan Blaney finished in eighth after being involved in three cautions on the day. Ross Chastain, your guy, finished in ninth. And uh, Travis Pastrana even led a couple of laps in this one, still managed to take an 11th 
after being involved in that last wreck. Um, yeah, kind of going to that last lap there. I saw a thing on like NASCAR race day the next day that really explained it a lot better. Uh, well, I was going to say, they didn't do a great job of explaining why. I, and I'm no Joey Logano fan. We've talked about this before. But they did not He's do a... He's a selfish teammate. Uh, well, <laughs> we didn't. Uh, they didn't do a great job of explaining why Ricky Stenhouse won that race. Because if, if you watch the replays that they did show, it certainly looked like Logano was in the lead when the wreck happened. Uh, But then Ricky Stenhouse was given the victory, but they didn't really go back and say, okay, here is why. Like you you hear them say in, in the, in the clip that I just played, uh, it's when the lights are flashing is when it's over with, not when the flag actually waves at the stand. Whenever, Whenever they feel like pushing the button. Right. When they push the button. And that's, that's race control. That's all the way up into the top tower. Yeah. But I saw a thing where um, I, I saw a video that made a lot of sense, and it, it was right as right at just right after um, the incident started up, right as the five car of Larson gets turned into the wall and starts hit, and has already hit it. You can actually see there's there. This is from the blimp shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see that the green light was still on, yep. and then you know just like a hundred feet or so down the. Down after that is where you see the the yellow come on, uh-huh. and Stenhouse is in front the whole entire time at this point. Okay. The first shot you see after that uh, is when the twenty two pulled ahead a little uh-huh. bit, a little bit, and that's why you know everybody's like, "Well, Logano was in front of him; he should have won." Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, but if they had these rules back uh, back uh, several years ago, Mark Martin would have a Daytona five hundred win. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. What I'm arguing is not is not the final call. I I just thought they could have done and better at a, it, a better job of explaining why at that time. And again, maybe they didn't know. Uh, but and that's 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 kind of what I'm going with. I wanted to really rip it apart, uh-huh. but I'm guessing they didn't know. Yeah, they yeah. they 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 probably gave the information that they had that right. they were given, and my guess is. It confused them too, so they mm-hmm. did the best with what they had. Yeah. Um the uh uh yeah. I I I get that. I get that. I, I just feel like um and I guess I shut the race off fairly quickly after it was over with because I had somewhere to be. I even messaged That's you right. I even messaged <laughs> you saying and and here's another beef that I have that we, we texted back and forth was you know, if uh if the Vikings kick off at noon, they're going to say kickoff is at noon, and maybe kickoff is at twelve o two, right? And if the the late games on Sunday for the NFL, it will tell you kickoff is at three o five, kickoff is at three twenty five, or if kickoff is on a uh, you know a night game at seven fifteen or seven twenty, that's when kickoff is going to be. Yeah. Same with uh, tip off for basketball or the first pitch. You know, it's a o five. This is when it's going to start. Not with NASCAR. Race, no. <laughs> is, race is going to start at one thirty, but we'll get to it when we get to it. In uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. There was so much build up and so much lead in, and it's like, okay, now we have another video package to show. Yeah. Well, green flag was supposed to be out already. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to talk to some. The race is coming up, everybody. But first, an interview. Yeah. It After was, 
three minutes of commercials. Right. It was just it was just weird. I I I get it. I get the whole the whole pre race, the whole pre game. I mean, they have pre game in the NFL and NBA and all that stuff too. But it would be nice if they advertised like, hey, the green flag is going to drop at two fifteen. We're you know we're going to start coverage at one thirty, but. 2.15 is when we're going to drop the green flag. Well, and they have a specific pre-race show for this. Yeah. And they, so they run the pre-race show, and then now we have another hour to two hours worth of of other pre-race show <laughs> that is yeah. actually yeah. advertised as racing. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, there's yeah. no green. One of the things that is always aggravates me about a lot of racetracks or anything at any level is downtime. Mm-hmm. It just like just drawing a, a show yeah. out. Yeah, always aggravates me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uncontested time is yeah. you know. So we're there to watch something here. So maybe if they'd have dropped the green flag at one thirty, they could have spent that forty five minutes at the end explaining why Ricky Stenhouse won the race. You're not <laughs> wrong at all. I am one hundred percent with you on this one. That is <laughs> that is right. Because they did cut out right away yeah. when that was done. And I think they went to a college basketball game, and I'm sitting there going, who won? What what just happened what here? A, Yeah, what? I mean, and, it's not like they cut out of the Super Bowl to play Heidi, but... Uh, <laughs> and, and I, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't think of this until right now, um, but do you remember another time where one of the gentlemen who should be starting his engine is telling all the gentlemen to start their engine? No. That was weird, too. Uh, I think the only time I'm trying to think uh, something comes to mind and I, I I could be totally wrong in this. It wouldn't be the first time, but uh, I think someone did it from in their car once. Didn't uh-huh. Richard Petty do it from in his car on he, his last race? Maybe. I, I, I'm i not 100% sure, but I don't remember a time where one of the people, and in this case, multiple people who, who should have been in their car starting the car are telling everybody else to start the car. Who started their car? I don't know. I backup uh, driver. <laughs> it was a lot of weird stuff on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know, the the great thing about the NASCAR coverage, of course, is just when everything starts to get good, that's when they go to commercial break. <laughs> yep, exactly. All right, we got a green flag coming out, and here's a and, and the, another thing about the commercials. They actually had a sponsored commercial break. Yeah, they have the Toyota commercial break coming yep. up. How about some Toyota racing action? Yeah. All right. right. How about a Toyota green flag run? Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't want to be one of these curmudgeons that I remember back in the old days, but there was a wreck. They go to commercial and immediately there's a wreck. They don't come back. You just have to watch it on the little, the little section of your TV yeah. until you come back. Like, but they wait for, com- for pit stops to start and then they go right to commercial right after that. Yeah. Yeah, and, it was interesting. Along with running 10 laps under caution for a single car spin out sometimes. Well, they're, they're, I guess they're still working out the kinks. They haven't been at it this long, that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've only, only every Daytona years. 500 has been run uh, on TV since 1979. <laughs> right. It's older than me. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I don't want to end this on a on a grumpy note, but I guess we might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Well, what's next for them? Uh, it kind of ties in right here. Uh, it'll be Sunday, February 26th, Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California. Scheduled start time is 2.30. We'll see when we get there. <laughs> uh, it'll be the last race <laughs> in the current configuration before they remodel it and make it into something weird. Huh. Okay. Well, what are they doing with it? Are they... I hear, I hear they're leaving the front straightaway. It's it's 
its length, but I think they're bringing the back straight away in the, in the corners in. Oh, so okay. making the corners tough to drive. Ah, along with really long runs. Okay, so almost like well, they, uh, like, like a gateway out in in sure. uh, in St. Louis. Okay, like that track. Oh, it's kind of odd. Uh huh. I'm not. I'm not against that. They already have a Michigan International Speedway. They don't need right. one in California. So. And people forget about <laughs> the uh, about Texas World Speedway, which was built to be kind of the same way too, yeah. and how that closed down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other things happen too, but sure. Uh, so. Yeah, my my whole thing thing on this is uh, you don't make it different. I'm fine with it. Everybody is like the last the last year's race was was exceptional for a California race, and people are like, don't change it, don't change it. Uh, the racing's awesome here. I'm like, one good race isn't going to mm, change it. Yeah, there were a lot of snoozers out there, and yep. it, this is where my NASCAR nap always would come into play. So <laughs> I'm I'm for them changing it. Yeah, well, and like I said, they've got two races in Michigan, right? And that's yeah, pretty much the pretty much the exact same track, is it not? It's it's a little more high banked. It's yeah. a lot faster, but uh, Fontana's wider. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's already a Michigan, and yeah. you know the ratings aren't that great on that one either. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so let's let's let Michigan be a standalone track on on its own, yep. and let's bring back. Let's make some unique looking yeah. racetracks and stuff. Yeah, that's so that's good. I'm I'm behind that. So, okay, well that uh, that'll do it for uh, this week's episode of Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. Remember, you can find us on kfgo.com or anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. And so, until next time, I'm Ryan Jakey for Corey Litton, Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap, kfgo.com. Yeah.